are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello. We are back, baby. Another episode of Locked On Tigers, my second episode as host. My name is Scott Bentley. And uh, before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that this episode is brought to you by Locked On MLB. Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan, please just call him Sully, every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from Locked On MLB Network's teams of local experts, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. All right. My name is Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021, and we're back for another episode. I uh, thank you so much for the great response I got for uh, for yesterday's episode, my first episode. It really means the world to me. Um, I'm super excited to, to get started and, and just dive right into it and get started on this journey with all you guys. So it really, truly, it, it means the world that uh, to all the people that reached out and the, the great response I had after my first episode today. We will be discussing defensive numbers because this team it does not have very good ones. And uh, the defensive run saves metric was updated for the season. Uh, on FieldingBible.com. That's where I'm getting all these numbers from. That's my favorite website for uh, for defensive metrics. Fangraphs, I believe, uses them now. Uh, very good. Very good website. Very well done. Uh, ship over there. So we're going to take a look into that, what all those numbers mean, what they entail, and really anybody with two pairs of eyes could kind of tell you that this team's defense is absolutely horrid. So we're going to compare it to uh, years past as well as just around the league in general. Then we're going to take a look at one specific position within this organization, and that is the shortstop position. Uh, if you've been a follower of mine for a while, you're aware of my opinion. Uh, I think I actually talked about it on yesterday's show, too, of the Detroit Tigers shortstop position, but we're going to dive deeper into that. And then in segment three, we're going to talk about all-star voting, uh, the update, that just came out on Monday of the updated all-star voting is not very pretty. If you're a Tigers fan, the upcoming Cardinals series. And then we're going to talk about some segment ideas, some reoccurring segment ideas that I have, uh, get your guys's input on them. I want to have a reoccurring segment on off days, but I'm not really sure what that is yet. And I have a couple of other ideas on, uh, on, on certain days of the week for, for reoccurring segment ideas as well. So I'm just going to spitball a bunch of ideas and you tell me, uh, on, on social media, etc. If you guys are interested in those, and, and I think we can kind of hit the ground running here. Let's start off with defensive runs saved. So defensive metrics are weird, right? There's not really a go-to, this defensive metric is the best for everybody. But team defensive runs saved, in my opinion, is a, a very good outlook at that, at how a team's defense is. I think it's probably the best we have. If you're looking at individual players, there's probably some better numbers you could use, or, or depending on what position they play, I guess I should say, there, there's better numbers to use. Outs above average is really good as well. But if you're looking at a whole team, I think team defensive runs saves from the fielding Bible is is really, really solid. 
And basically, what they do is they take the defensive run saved of every single position individually, add all those together, and then they take the defensive run saves via the the value of when you're shifting and the value of when you're not shifting and your defensive positioning, add that up together, and you get one number. The Detroit Tigers have a negative 29 defensive run saved, which is the second worst in all of baseball, only ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies, who have a negative 33. The team in front of us is the Los Angeles Angels, who just beat us three games to four last weekend at negative 24. So some some sizable gaps there. Uh, really, the bottom of the pack is in a whole league of their own because the uh, the 20th ranked team is zero. So it really goes really south really quickly for those like bottom five teams. The Reds, Orioles, Angels, us, and the Phillies. So if we're going by position here, just to give you an outlook, we have not a single position on this team is positive. Not a single number you're about to hear is a positive number. We only have one non-negative number, and that's left field where we are a net zero defensive run saves. We are playing average, like serviceable left field. Besides that, everything is negative, and some of them are pretty pretty sizably negative. Pitcher, negative one. Not too worried about, about pitcher defensive run saved unless it's like, you know, negative 10 for some reason. That's fine, whatever. Catcher is negative seven. Now, that's super interesting because we have had the catching carousel. Um, the, the catching situation coming into the year was really bad. It's still not a lot better, but I would say that we have better defenders behind the dish currently, specifically with Jake Rogers, than we did coming into the season. So it'll be interesting to take a deeper dive into that and see if it maybe has improved since our catching tandem has switched off or or what. But currently it sits at negative seven, which is in the bottom four or five worst in the league. First base is negative five. That is also in the bottom three, I believe, worst in baseball. Second base is negative seven. That is in the bottom four in baseball. Third base is negative one. Candy has played a a solid third base, uh, an almost net average third. He's always been around zero. If you look at his defensive run saves from previous years, uh, he is usually at either like plus one, minus one, plus two, I think is his best year. So he's always at or around zero. That's fine. I will gladly live with a negative one with his bat in the lineup. That's great. Shortstop. This is where it gets interesting. Well, it's already been interesting. It's a negative 15. Now, you you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Yeah, it, it is horrible, actually. It is comfortably the worst in baseball, the next closest to that. No one else is even in the negative double digits. Is that a thing? Negative double digits. No one else even has negative 10. The next worst is negative nine, which is the Philadelphia Phillies who have the worst team DRS in the sport. So that's the current situation of shortstop. Left field is zero. Center field is negative six, which is uh, below, (laughs) not good, obviously, Um, but the Diamondbacks have a negative 16 rocking in center field, which I believe is the worst of any position in baseball. 
Uh, and then last, but certainly not least, in right field for the Tigers, we have a negative two. So that's not good, right? All negative and then one zero. Certainly not how we drew it up. So now the other interesting part, like I said, is they also, what's added into this is positioning. So our outfield positioning has netted us zero defensive run saves. We have, we have positioned serviceably. We have positioned solid, solidly. Is that a word? I don't know. Infield positioning. We have gained plus two defensive run saves when we don't shift and plus 13 DRS when we do shift, which is very high and a very solid amount and one of uh, tied for one of the highest numbers in baseball. Not the highest, but in the top five highest uh, defensive runs saved for positioning in the sport. So basically, what this means is A.J. Hinch is unbelievable at his job, and we are giving him nothing. That's basically what this entails. We have no good de- defenders, really. Again, Jamer is serviceable, and, and the left-field carousel, mostly Robbie Grossman and Akil Badu, have been serviceable. Outside of that, this defense is putrid. It is horrid, and it is beyond frustrating to me because... Defense, when you have built your entire rebuild around pitching, and not only pitching, pitching in a massive ballpark, the deepest center field, one of the biggest outfields, a a massive park, and you've built it around pitching, and you have given these young pitchers no defense. That's inexcusable. I would honestly, if we're going to, if 2019 was going to happen anyway, if we were always going to lose 114 games, give me people that at least play good defensively. I don't care if they bat 150. Just give me someone who can play a lick of defense. Same with last year. Same with this year. This is why I didn't like the Wilson Ramos signing. It didn't make sense to me. The offense is not going to be good. At least get someone behind the dish that can raise the confidence of these young pitchers. Defense is so important for pitching. And we have built an entire rebuild around pitching and given them no defense. Unbelievably frustrating. The only other thing I want to go over here before we head into our first break defensively is going through and just showing how horrible this defense has been the entire rebuild. And yes, we have not prioritized winning. We have been tanking. You can put together a decent defensive product. You can put together a a product that isn't going to absolutely kill the morale of, of all your young pitchers that are coming up and still tank. I promise it's possible. But just taking a look at the past here, 2020, we were 24th in Team DRS. 2019, we were last by almost negative 50. We had a negative 50 cushion almost on the the 29th place team in DRS. 2018, we were 23rd. 2017, we were also last again by almost 50 defensive runs saved. And in 2016, we were 29th. Defense matters. Defense matters, and it matters so much more when you have built your entire rebuild around pitching. Obviously, we need bat. We need a lot, man. We are we are still a far ways away 
from being a competitive baseball team. But going forward, and if you want to say, you know what, they were trying to lose whatever, that's fine. Sure. Going forward, you this cannot be the case. When you have young Casey Mize, young Matt Manning, young Tarek Skubal, Spencer Turnbull, who you'd like to be part of the future plans of this team and is still in his late 20s and has like, what, three, four years of team control left. You need to prioritize some freaking defense for the love of everything. Defense matters. All right, let's head into our first break here. On the other side, we're going to talk about shortstop specifically because I think that's a whole segment in itself. But first, I got to talk to everybody about Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships. Day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth, and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data shows that investors that trade individual stocks actually underperform the market every year. In fact, not only do they underperform, only 1% of day traders actually beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone, so team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized for just you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion with a B dollars of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do all the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB and get started today. All right, everybody, we are back here at Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. We're going to dive into the position of shortstop and talk about just truly how unbelievably vital it is for the Detroit Tigers to grab a shortstop this offseason. And this is a debate I have with people. We need to sign one. I understand there's, there's some good shortstops some good prep shortstops in this year's draft. I get it. Prep bats take a long time to develop, especially when you don't have 1-1. You're not getting the slam dunk. This guy is the 1-1 pick. You you would likely be getting the second, maybe even third prep shortstop bat available. You need to sign a shortstop. You need to. It is vital. It is, it is not just, oh, if we miss out, that's too bad, but we still have a chance to salvage it. No, you literally need to. It is a must. It is not a want. It is a need. You need a shortstop this offseason. You need to sign one of the big-name shortstops this offseason to a long-term deal. 
There are no shortstops in this entire organization at any level. I watch all of them. Not a single person at any level of the minors or majors included, as anybody with eyes knows, is a long-term solution at shortstop. Not a single one. That is a problem. Obviously, it's a pro- it's a problem for a team that is trying to turn the corner and become competitive again in the next couple of years. You need a shortstop. This year's free agency, for those who are not aware, is the best free agent shortstop class ever. It's it's ever. It's kind of unbelievable, to be honest with you. You are looking at arguably four of the top, what, six shortstops on the planet are all free agents at the same time. That will never happen again. At least not, you know, I shouldn't say never, ever again. That will not not happen in this era of baseball again. It will be a long time before that ever happens again. Corey Seager, Javi Baez, not my first choice, but you know what? If they get Javi Baez, at least it will show that they're they they're kind of trying to win. We have a solid defensive shortstop that can run into a homer every once in a while. I will take it. Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa, all free agents at the same time. Marcus Semien is not included in this for me. I don't want Marcus Semien on my team. Not that he's bad. He's great. But I want a long-term. I want long-term. I want someone we sign, and he's the shortstop for the next five to eight years. Marcus Semien is not that. Francisco Lindor, obviously, no longer part of that. And then the my number one choice, Trevor Story. Also a free agent. All those people are free agents. At the same time, you cannot walk away. You cannot go into spring training next year with no shortstop additions. And and if they give me Marcus Semien and then draft a shortstop, you know what? Oh, Semien's going to be the shortstop for the next two to three years or whatever. And then hopefully whoever we take in the draft is going to be up. You know what? It's not. It's far from my first choice. It's far from my second or third or even fourth choice of what to do with the shortstop position. But at least they will have an actual plan that I will believe that they are telling the truth. <laughs> because that's few and far between the last five years. Not my first choice for that to happen. But, but I would probably be able to sleep at night a couple of days <laughs> afterwards. I would not be happy in the moment. But I would eventually get over it, and I would at least see a plan that makes logical sense. If you walk into next year, and you give me like Brad Miller, or you just sign a, a, a you know Jose Iglesias to a one-year deal, if you come in and just do that, I'm losing my mind on the airwaves. Lord, pray for everybody who's listening to the sh- day after. The show the day after that signing happens, eardrums, because I, I'm I, I'm not sure I can be responsible for what I do. You have to sign one of the big name shortstops. We have zero in the organization. It is a premier position, arguably the most premier position. Catcher, shortstop, center field, third base is probably in there ish to an extent. 
there are very seldomly will you find people that don't agree that those are the most important positions to fill with good talent on a winning team on a baseball field. You have to. You have to. And and the reason that this came into my mind, A, again, with yesterday's show as well, I think it's important that everyone knows where I stand on things with this rebuild. But it really just came to light even more when the team defensive run save came out and shortstop, we were by far the worst in baseball. Nico Goodrum, I don't hate him as, as much as, I don't hate anybody. I don't dislike him as much as everybody else does. Right, I, I think a lot of people are super hard on him because he's he is our. I, I we don't have a everyday shortstop. Just period. It's just a carousel. He's played shortstop a lot over the last couple of years, while we just haven't had one. And um, I honestly, I don't think I think Nico Goodrum could bring value to this team still if he was a anybody who needs a day off. Nico Goodrum plays your position for the day goes in, runs into a, a, a gap or a home run every once in a while, fine. I, I really don't see anything wrong with the, with him filling that role. I think he could still do that pretty well. Being an everyday player at one position is not Nico Goodrum. It's not. It is painfully obvious, and it's especially not shortstop. Again, painfully, painfully, painfully obvious. The draft. We'll touch on this real quick before we end the shortstop talk. I know I touched on it a little bit earlier. If we draft a shortstop, I really, oh man, that you know what? That's we, we. I'll get into draft breakdowns and stuff as the draft gets closer. We can go more in depth into my opinions of all the prospects. I'm I'm a huge college baseball guy. I'm a huge draft guy as well. So I, I've watched a lot of these kids. I've seen all the sky reports on a lot of these kids. Um, we, we can go through and do draft profiles and stuff as we get closer to the draft. And, and you can figure out and learn where I stand on all these people. What I'm just going to say is, when it comes specifically to shortstop, I cannot express how much more valuable it would be to just sign one of these guys who's in their mid-20s, Correa, Story, Seager. Mid-20s. They're not 30. They're not 32. You're not signing Cabrera to a 10-year at 30. You're not signing Cano to a 10-year at 31. Right? Guys in their mid-20s to a long-term deal. You will not have to draft one of those prep bats. You will not get the scraps of what the first two people ahead of you just don't want. There's so much. In the MLB draft, I'm a huge advocate for value. You never draft in the MLB draft, not all drafts, in the MLB draft, I don't believe in drafting positional needs. People bust way too often. It takes years to get to the majors. Your team could look totally different by the time they're major league ready. And, and it, it just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. It never has. You draft the best player available, and if you are taking a shortstop because you don't have one, you are going to get the second, possibly even third, best shortstop in the draft with the third pick. That is horrid, horrid, horrid value. I'm a big value guy. 
big value guy. So that's where I stand. And like I said, if we sign Semi into two to three years and then draft a shortstop, I will at least see a plan that I will that again makes logical sense. But at the end of the day, that is far from my, like I said, my first, second, third, or even fourth choices for how to handle the Detroit Tigers shortstop position. Like I said, we'll get into more draft profiles and stuff. Maybe that can be a a reoccurring thing because obviously I'll have games to to recap pretty much every day. Um, But maybe one segment can be dedicated to like a draft prospect or something. I don't know. We'll get into that here in the next segment. But first, I got to talk to everybody about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is obviously in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, even UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams are in full swing in the postseason crazy NBA playoffs. Crazy NHL playoffs if you're a listener of, uh, of of mine, Nolan, and Ethan over at Locked on Red Wings at well. Just incredible postseason, fun to bet on. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And lastly, I got to talk to everybody about rockauto.com. Save time and money. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, everybody. We are back for our final segment here at Locked On Tigers. I'm your host Scott Bentley. We are uh, we're, we're we got an off day today. Got an off day today, right? All star voting update came out on Monday, on the off day, on yesterday when you're listening to this. Okay, this is this is wild. It's actually not that surprising. It's not surprising at all, actually, if we're being completely honest. But just like how the mighty have fallen. Every every All-Star break, you know, back in the day, it used to be how many Tigers are going to be on here? How many Tigers are we going to be able to see on here? Are we going to get to see, you know, is it going to be three? Is it going to be four? Is it even going to be five Tigers in the All-Star game? This year, um, so for, the, for each position, they released the top 10 in voting for the American League, right? top 10 only the top three I believe of every position make it yes top three of every position actually make the all-star game but they released the voting for the top 10 so that is six positions right catcher second base shortstop 
first base, third base, DH, because pitcher isn't on here. For the position players, that is 60 names, 60 different names, 60 people that they have the amount of votes recorded for. There is one Detroit Tiger across all 60 names. That is Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers with 133,829 votes. That is uh, also not very many. That is the eighth most for the designated hitter slot. Um, so I kind of talked about in episode one, right? Uh, that's tough. And in the past, I was very against the every team has to have a representative because some teams just suck. Well, now I root for the team that just sucks and have for five years. And if it wasn't for that rule, we... I mean, there's a legitimate argument that if it wasn't for that rule, we'd be five years removed from our last All-Star appearance. Oh, Matt Boyd might have made it in 2019, actually. If they were just going straight. Well, it's also fan voting. Man, fan voting's a whole nother tree to bark up. It's just really sad. And the Tigers' Twitter, you know, bless them. Or just, you know, vote Scope. He's on a tear. And he is on a tear. He's not even in the top ten for second base voting or first base voting, depending on, I guess, what position you're you're voting him as. It's just sad, man. It's really, it's, it's just sad. I, I don't really have too much else to say. I just wanted to go through the, uh, the all-star voting update. Otani is dominating the designated hitter, 1,100 votes. Vlad Guerrero Jr. dominating everything with almost 2 million votes. Otani has 1.1 million. I don't know what I just said, but I feel like that I didn't say 1.1 million. Otani has 1.1 million votes. Vlad Guerrero with 1.7 million votes. Um, Bogarts with a million. Semyon with 1.1 mil. There you go. Uh, Salvador Perez with 1.3 mil, which is an absolute just atrocity, but that's another conversation for a different day. All you need to know is there is no Tigers even remotely close, and that's just sad. Upcoming Cardinals series. We'll touch on that a little bit before we uh, before we wrap up here. The St. Louis Cardinals come into town. Uh, actually, a really fun series for uh, for the Cats because a lot of young pitchers are pitching. A lot of, a lot of really fun young pitching. Scooby, I believe, will have Tuesday. And uh, Matt Manning will be back on the bump for Wednesday, which is going to be awesome. Uh, And then Jose, I think it's actually only a two-game series. Yeah, two-game series. Quick little two-game trip um, back home. Scooby and Manning. That's a a fun pitching series. That's for damn sure. Um, So Scooble comes in with a 4-3-6 ERA, 4-7 record. The, the thing that I'm going to be looking for most out of Scooble has been the same thing I've been looking for all year. I want him to attack people. I want him to attack. I don't want him to nibble. I don't want him to try and get, make everyone swing and miss. I want him to freaking attack literally everyone. Go after people and see what happens. It's been the same thing for really all three of those young pitchers, right? efficiency and and Mize has gotten a lot better at it his last seven eight starts but he still has some work to do 
the guys are, are they're finally starting to trust their stuff more. They just need to be more efficient. Go attack people. If you get rocked, so what? You know, if we were pushing for a playoff spot and you get rocked, I'm going to be mad. Go go just uh, only throw the ball in the strike zone and see what happens. For real. Let's see what you got. Let's see what happens. Attack, attack, attack. That's what I'm looking for the most out of school. Well, that and the fastball velocity, but his last three, four starts, they've it, it's been really back to how it normally was last year. Uh, at the beginning of the year there, it kind of took a dip. Um, and it, it made me kind of nervous, but it seems to be back up now, so I'm I'm not too worried about that anymore. And then Wednesday, Matt Manning again. I just, you know what? If he just goes out there and kind of has the same repertoire, pitch mix, and a frequency of throwing all of his pitches that he did in the last start, I'm not going to be too mad about it. I would like to see him throw the change up a little bit more. Admittedly, um, the slurve we're still calling it I think that technically I think he calls it that I think it is a slurve um the slurve is a is a great pitch I would like to see him mix it up a little bit more I, I don't only want to see the slurve on an 0-2 count or a 1-2 count throw it earlier randomly th- throw it as a first pitch sometimes who cares also high curveball truthers stand up I am of the belief and a good buddy of mine, Christian, is, is in the same boat. The high curveball is the most confusing pitch for a hitter, maybe in baseball. Because you look at it and you go, oh, well, he missed his spot. That's hung. But if you just nick the very top corner of the zone, you can throw that on purpose and steal a few strikes. And the batter will never think about swinging at it because they're so used to curveballs in the dirt and breaking balls into the dirt. Screw it, man. Go up there and throw a first pitch high slurve. That I know that that probably sounds ridiculous to a lot of people. That probably sounds preposterous. Why on earth? I'm not asking him to hang it. I'm not asking him to throw it belt high. I just want half the ball to just be in, in the top of the strike zone. Steal a strike or two. I promise nobody's going to swing at it as long as you keep it high. Again, it's risky because if you get it too low, then it's, you know, going 500 feet. But screw it, man. Just mix it in a little bit more. I just want it to be a, a little more surprising when it comes out of his hand. I don't want it to only be on on two strike and, uh, you know, no ball or one ball counts. And, I ju- you know, the changeup, I would like to see him throw more. But that fastball is nice. It has good velocity and it has a lot better movement that I think a lot of people realize if, if you haven't watched him in the minors this year. This fastball has really solid movement. It has a nice tail to it. I really, really like his fastball. Um, I think if he could get a couple of miles an hour up on it, it could be a, a really lethal pitch. And I think those three pitches could really take him to greatness that a lot of people think that he uh, is destined for. So really excited to see him pitch again. Super happy that he's staying up. Kind of sucks that it's the at the expense of all these injuries, but I'm just super pumped that he's staying in the show. Okay, we'll end up on this, right? Uh, some segment ideas. I'm just going to throw these out there. I'm not even going to discuss my opinion on them. These are just ideas that I've written down over the last couple of days of sec- reoccurring segment ideas. You tell me if they're stupid and I should never do them or if there's something that people would like. Okay, first off, I think every Friday, the last segment of every Friday, segment three every Friday will be prospect review for the week. Go through 
um, especially because Thursdays, we're going to have some off days on Thursdays, right? Monday and Thursday are the most common off days. I think that uh, for, for a Friday show, having kind of a week review of all the prospects, because we still are a rebuilding team, and that's a super important thing to keep an eye on that I think a lot of people would care about. So I think one or maybe even two segments uh, every Friday kind of recapping all of the, the notable prospect performances of the week would be super cool. Uh, so that's that's one idea I have. Then I have Throwback Thursday, which uh, would just, again, be one segment. It would probably be the last segment as well, segment three of the Thursday show. I think I used to do this thing on Twitter where I would say uh, at like midnight or one in the morning, I would tweet random former Tiger hours and then just a picture of them. And people loved it. So I think making that a podcast segment would be cool. One segment, I pick some random person from the Tigers past, do a full breakdown on them, their career arc, the, you know, maybe do some some research, go in depth. You can learn some things about some guys that you didn't know. I think that might be super fun. I would definitely have a blast. I love that kind of stuff. Um, so that's another idea that I have. And then I want to incorporate something I talked about it in segment one with all these scorecards I have from the past. I have I have triple digit scorecards from Tiger games that I've been to over the last 23 years on this planet. And I, I've been keeping score at games since since I was literally in elementary school. I think we could probably find a way for me. I don't know if it's a, if it's on off days. Maybe that's the off day segment. Every off day, I I pull out a scorecard and go through some random game from 2011 that everyone forgot. Like I don't know. I'm just spitballing. If you have other segment ideas or whatever, I am more than happy to listen to all of them. Uh, the Twitter, my Twitter, personal Twitter at Bentley Scotty. My DMs are open. Locked on Tigers DMs are open. You can just tweet publicly at us. Whatever you want. If you have segment ideas um, and and I can fit them and incorporate them into the show relatively easily, I am all ears. But those are the three that uh, that I was kind of messing with and, and, and meddling with here the last couple of days. That'll do it for uh, for my second episode. Look at that! Look at that! All all the the just excitement and anxiety of starting this show all weekend and stuff, and now I'm already too deep. Look at that. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, it really means the world to me. And as always, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll go over that game with Scooble on the bump. Take a look at at that game. Take a look at uh, more Jonathan Scope trade rumors might be heating up. The White Sox might want a second baseman. We'll kind of look, do a deeper dive into that. Until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Go Tigers, baby. See you tomorrow. Peace.